You know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. We are those weekend golf guys. John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave at Otter Creek. And we are going to be talking about a whole lot of stuff today, including, well, your short game. What do we figure? About 65% of the game is from 120, 125 yards and in? Probably a little more than that. And that screams wedge, man. Wedges. We are going to talk to the guy who literally wrote the book on wedges. And we're going to talk to Jeff Smith on all those things you have been told that are wrong about how to hit a wedge shot. Don't you love correcting the the common knowledge, man? I do. People get better when, when they find out, you know, there is at least one or two or ten better ways. Wedges. Again, we're going to talk to the man who wrote the book, aptly titled The Wedge Book, when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang out. We'll be right back. Hey, it's those weekend golf guys. John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave at Otter Creek. Uh, intrepid producer Mark Hunter not with us today. Uh, the the equally intrepid Douglas at the controls. We thank him for substituting so capably. And just a minute ago, or maybe two minutes ago, who, who knows? Time flies, man. Jeff was about to tell us what he tells people to do who have a hook that they want to make a draw. I tell them to quit. <laughs> yes, just stop doing that. Take up bowling. A hook yeah. works good in bowling if you start right. over on the right. And you know. <laughs> now, what I do is, is, is in lessons, here I am, and I'm trying to figure out the reason for the hook. Okay? Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, they want to play it that way. But, you know, a lot of times, anytime, anytime you get a curveball that's more than what the player wants, there's always some irritation. Mm-hmm. And so my job, take away the irritation, make them happy, right? Mm-hmm. So what I do is I try to manage what's going on with the player that's in front of me. And I find out the reason for the hook. And, and it's quite possible that the club face is, say, let's say on target at the time it touches the ball, as in at the target. But the swing path is too far out. You know, it swings too far from the inside to touch the back of the golf ball and providing a little bit of extra spin on the stuff we don't want is, you know, kind of magnifying the, the, the spin on the ball. So um, I try to find a way to limit the spin. And, and to do that, the simplest way is to kind of match the club face to its line of swing. So let's, let's just say that, John, we're talking about you for a minute. Mm. And you actually have a little bit of a hook. Just because yes. I want to put a face to it for sure. everybody listening to it. Right? As long as you, mustache on the ball. As long as you don't describe it as the portly, John. We'll be no, fine. I won't. Because okay. that guy right there, you know, he's, um, he's, he's got a little bit. He's <laughs> fictional. Yeah, he's a fictional guy. This guy we're talking about, he just has a big mustache. Okay. As, as the guy that we're talking about now, he's got, he's got the ball, and you've got the, the ball there, and your club face is online, and your swing travels from too far behind you to too far out in front of you. So a lot of inside to out, right? Mm-hmm. More than necessary. And the question is, is that who are you as a player, and how often are you going to practice? And I know with you, it, I know the answer, and so I'm going to go down the easy road with you. Because you're not going to practice very much. So I'm going to talk to you like you're everybody else here, John. Since you're not going to practice very much, mm-hmm. let's understand that one of the options for you to minimize the hook is to start the ball a little further right. And the easiest way for me to do that is to take a look at your grip and watch how you hold the club. And maybe, just maybe, you take the club into your hands as you have your grip 
and the club is angled a little bit left when you fully extend both your arms. Mm-hmm. Which means when you're at impact, when both of your arms are fully extended, your club face is touching the golf ball in a left club face position in relationship to its path. Mm-hmm. In which case, I'm going to do the simplest of simple things and I'm going to twist the face back to straight or very close to straight, mm-hmm. like as in a little less left, <laughs> which means that the ball will start, you know, as the club's coming in from in to out, traveling to the right, the ball will get launched out a little bit to the right because I made the club face closer to its line of swing. Mm-hmm. But yet it's not quite at the path and it's not quite at the, uh, the target either. So let's say I've managed to split the difference between the path of the club direction and the target line. Now, all of a sudden, you have a ball that starts out a little bit right, curves back a little less. Now, all of a sudden, you've got one that ends real close to the target. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm a genius. (laughs) That's right. You know, about 500 people last Monday evening took advantage of your geniusness and uh, accessed your uh, Facebook Live training seminar that went from 7.30 to 8.30. We had a good time with that. There will be more forthcoming. However, they will no longer be, the live version will no longer be open to everybody. It will, the live version will be open only to members of the $5golfclub.com. The next day, you can access the video of it and you can still get the benefits, but you won't be able to ask any questions. So if Jeff happened to hit upon your particular problem, then that's cool. But if you want to ask Jeff specifically, help me fix my particular problem, you need to be there during the live version, which is open to members of the $5golfclub.com and me, because I'm special. I thought you were a member. You, Are you well, saying you're not even a member I'm, of our own website? I'm member number one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. All right. All right. $5golfclub.com. Use the number five and then write out dollargolfclub.com. And uh, I was, I was t- telling you, the, I got an email the other day. Somebody said, John, how much does it really cost to join a $5 golf club? I went, okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, $5, $5. Hence, hence the name. $5, $5. Is not, it's not promotional. It's $5. It's exceptional golf training for a ridiculously low amount of money. Um, some people I'm gonna say, well, to, I'm going to have to send you a text on that one just because that, that might be the funniest thing I've heard in a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like going to the, everything's a dollar store and just going up to the cashier going, how much is this? <laughs> how much <Yeah>. is this? <laughs> they love it I when you do that. I don't see any stickers on anything. They what, love it when you thing? do that, man. <laughs> they just kind of roll their eyes at you, look down their nose, you know, <laughs> tilt their head down forward and look up at you like, really? Seriously? Yeah. I, the reason I mentioned that is what Jeff just described verbally was something that he touched on with video last night in in the live or not last night but Monday night in the live training. So it really would behoove you uh, come out, come out of pocket five bucks. It couldn't hurt, like they say. Five dollargolfclub dot com. Uh, we're going to be talking to literally the man who wrote the book about wedges, and we're going to be talking about maybe is golf ability genetic? Hmm. What do you think? Could be. I think there's. I think there's a little bit of athleticism that's there. Yeah. I'm not sure about the golf ability though, because there's there's a lot of people that could show you a great golfer whose children are not even close. Okay. To being good. But yeah. we've got some great golf families we're going to talk about when we come back to. 
right here with those weekend golf guys. Don't you move. A lot of us are looking for a miracle. You know, we go out and we buy a $500 golf club thinking it's going to give us straighter, longer drives. We buy a $150 golf club thinking it's going to get us out of the sand traps more easily and more often. We buy $200 golf clubs just because we want to get closer to that pin. Well, you know, you don't need a $500 golf club, a $200 golf club, a $150 golf club. All you need is a $5 golf club because the problem may not be the club. It may be your grip. It may be your stance. It may be your ball position. It may be your swing plane. It could be anything that an expensive golf club is not going to fix, but a $5 golf club can fix because Jeff Smith is a genius and he will be able to guide you where you need to go. Check it out. $5golfclub.com. That's all it costs. Five bucks a month. And welcome back to those weekend golf guys. John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave in Otter Creek. With us on the line, direct from sunny Southern California, John Ray, who literally wrote the book on wedges. This man's forgotten more about wedges than any of us know. I think those are those clubs that make balls go like up and then down. Very good. And you can tell who the golf pro is in this group, can't you? John, first off, welcome, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us today here on Those Weekend Golf Guys. How you doing, man? Pretty good, John Jeff. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure, totally. Let me just make a statement. Let's, let's throw a putter out of this equation, but I would be willing to guess that wedges are probably the, the one club in our bag that most amateur golfers use most often yet have the least idea of how to use correctly. I would agree that you're probably pretty close to spot on with not just amateur golfers, but pretty highly skilled golfers still don't have the right equipment for them, still don't quite know all the tools they've got in their bag. Wow. You know, I, I read the book and, and it gets, um, I mean, for, for people who are into understanding completely what this thing in their hand is, it's great. I get confused when you start talking physics, though, and there's some physics involved in this whole thing. This whole game's involved with physics. I think if I paid attention to physics, maybe I could be a better golfer. There's a little bit of that in there. We definitely didn't write the book like some fiction novel where you can just sit down and read it. It's really more like a textbook that's meant to just sort of sit on your counter and when you've got that really detailed wedge question, that should be the resource you go to. Look to the right page and get the answer you're looking for. The surface knowledge that those of us who play golf once or twice a week need to know because i mean i felt so stupid I, I picked up a gap wedge the other day from jeff and i said okay it's 52 degrees it says so right here but what does 12 mean and then he explained it and i was like 12 oh. is a reflection of the bounce mm. and realistically it's not the actual bounce as much as what we call effective bounce okay and when you're swinging a wedge i guess more than anything else you're trying to hit down on the ball. You're trying to compress it to generate some spin, and as a result of hitting down on it, you're going to take a bit of a divot. We don't want the wedge to perform like a shovel and just dig into the ground and never come out. So we modify the sole geometry to get it to dig into the turf and then come up and out of the turf. And that effective bounce is a reflection of how much it's going to dig in and then come up and out. Okay. Still... What do I need to know? I mean, if I'm an amateur golfer, what kind of number do I want to see there? 
Or, or is well, it totally dependent on my swing, and do I have to go to like a guy like Jeff and say, okay, watch me swing and tell me what to do? I think, realistically, your best approach, and whether it's with a wedge or a putter or drivers or irons, is to see your local PGA pro and get a fitting. And I think a lot of golfers have figured that out with their driver, figured out with their irons that they should get fit. But way too many golfers just go into the store and they buy a single wedge off the rack and hope it works for them. And as we mentioned earlier, it's sort of it's one of the most important clubs in the bag. Yeah. I think the numbers I've seen are about 65% of all shots are hit from 125 yards and in. Right. And if that's the case, you'd want all of those clubs to be really well fit for you so you can get the best performance. So right. making sure you get fit and don't just blindly pick something off the rack is a pretty important part of the whole process. Now, John, you uh, and John Ray is with us who has a, b- a book called The Wedge Book, so he literally wrote the book on wedges. You've been with Cleveland for, what, 15, 20 years? Yeah, I started in 2000, so it's well, 17 years that I've been 17 doing 17 years. So I walk into my pro shop or big box store or whatever, and, you know, I want to get the Cleveland wedges because, you know, all my, all my playing partners are going to go, ooh, wow, you're cool, you got Cleveland wedges. What do I need to look for? What I mean, other than getting them fit exactly, if I if I only have time yeah, to get them off the rack, what do I do? If you're trying, to, if you're just going to get them off the rack, and as much as I would discourage that, I acknowledge that some people have, some people will do that. The first thing you want to start with is thinking about the model. And right now, we have sort of three models to cover the whole spectrum of golfers. There's the blade wedge, which is sort of a better players type wedge, no cavity in the back of it really catered towards single-digit golfers and professionals. Mm-hmm. We also have a CBX wedge, which is a cavity back wedge, which really, for about 84% of golfers who buy cavity back irons, this is actually a better wedge for you than a blade wedge. And then for that golfer who's maybe struggling to break 100 and when he either has to hit a pitch from around the green, he's terrified, or when he gets stuck in the bunker, he's petrified, we make uh, two smart sole wedges, which are really one-trick ponies, but really good at that one trick and <laughs> either getting out of the bunker or hitting that pitch and run from around the greens. You know, to get into the right model, yeah, I think you've, you've covered a big chunk of sort of solving your game. At that point, it's trying to make sure you've got consistent gapping. So instead of buying a single wedge, you should think of your wedges like a wedge set, the same way you think of your irons as an iron set. Mm-hmm. Nobody go buy and, nobody go out and just buy a new eight iron. Think of getting your wedges together as a set. Think of getting the right gapping between them. And then finally, trying to get the right bounce for the conditions you play in. So if it's a little bit softer courses, you might want more bounce. If it's a little bit firmer, you might want less bounce. If you're someone who tends to have a bit of a sweeping swing and you don't take a divot, you'd probably want less bounce. If you're more aggressive and you take, tend to take those big beaver pelt divots, then you'd probably want to get more bounce. That simple instruction, you should be able to get pretty close. I think my, my pitching wedge 49 degrees, and then I go 52, 56, and 60. Is that kind of like yeah. a, a generic gap that's good? Yeah, there's typically two benchmarks to start with. And if you're playing a 49-degree pitching wedge, that would imply to me that you've got a, a better player set of irons. Typically, better player set of irons have 48 or 49-degree pitching wedges, so you'd go 52, 56, 60. Mm-hmm. For someone who's buying more of a cavity-back game improvement set of irons, those have drifted stronger, stronger lofted over time, 
So your pitching wedge might be 44 or 45 degrees. Okay. In which case, instead of 52, 56, 60, you'd go 50, 54, 58. Gotcha. And between those two three-wedge combinations, that's the bulk of most golfers. John, so the wedge book, a, a great resource for people who... I guess quasi-serious about getting the, the right equipment. And all of us, no matter how seldom or often we play, if we want to play well every time we play, we should be quasi-serious about getting the right equipment. So exactly, how do you get your hands on the book? The easiest way to do it would be just to go to our website at clevelandgolf.com. Mm-hmm. And if you look under the accessories tab at the top, there's a little link right there for the wedge book. And I'd say more importantly... You should go see your local PGA pro, and if he doesn't have it on his bookshelf, you should be bugging him to get one. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff's filling out the order form even as we speak, man. As a matter of fact. (laughs) John Ray from Cleveland Golf. One quick other question. Does the finish matter, or is that just aesthetics? Um, For the most part, the finish is aesthetic. Okay. It depends on... Different or different strokes for different folks. Mm-hmm. People like different looks. Some of the finishes reflect more glare than others. So some people specifically buy raw wedges or things like that to avoid the glare. Some people don't really care and like the um, newish aesthetic of a high chrome type finish. Yeah. So it's mostly different strokes for different folks. Gotcha. John Ray. Cleveland Golf. Do appreciate you spending some time. And again, ClevelandGolf.com. Uh, and you can order under the accessories tab the wedge book. And this is the man that wrote the book. So anything you need to know about wedges, you can ask him. And we will do that on a regular basis, John. We appreciate you coming on and love to have you on again sometime in the not-too-distant future. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Fantastic. All right, we've got more stuff coming up, too. We are those weekend golf guys, so don't you move. I got an email just the other day. guy said, John, how much does it cost to join $5 Golf Club? Yeah, that's what I said, too. $5, hence the name, $5 Golf Club, all right? It's not just $5 to get in, and then we hit you with more. No, $5 this month, next month, and every month that you feel you need to become a member and stay a member to get to where you want to be in your golf game. Whether you want to break 100, break 90, break 80, break 70, whatever your number is, Jeff Smith has the videos there now and new videos coming every week that will help you accomplish that goal. Okay? $5golfclub.com. Use the number $5golfclub.com. That's all it costs. $5 a month. Phenomenal golf instruction at a ridiculously low price. That's us. $5golfclub.com. And we are back, those weekend golf guys. John Ashton here, Jeff Smith there. Otter Creek Golf Cave Studio. Those those are the locations in case you were actually wondering where here and there actually were. Uh, you can now pinpoint them, and I'm sure you feel much better about the whole Wait a deal. second. Yeah. I thought I was here and you were there. Well, it depends on your, uh, your orientation, right? Yeah. yeah. My orientation comes from me. That's it. So I'm here, and you you're were, there. And no matter, just remember, no matter where you go, there you are. So That's right. Yeah. I'm always here. We just learned everything there was to learn about wedges, or at least we learned where to go to learn everything there was to learn about wedges. Man, that yeah. book is like 200 pages thick. 
So yeah, there's obviously a lot more to wedges than uh, meets the eye when you just hold a club in your hand. A lot of people don't know how to use them. You know that they're not sure what you know what the sole plate's really for, and and what type of surfaces and what kind of shots that you can get. You know, I mean that's a big deal. And and it, why so, don't we why don't we delineate some of those for the benefit of people who are going oof. I'm kind of scared now to pull a wedge out of my bag. <laughs> a lot of people use uh, the leading edge a lot. And I can tell you right now that that's one of the reasons that there's not a lot of people out there who are really good wedge players. That that uh, qualifies as a big PDQ instance. Yeah. Potential disaster quotient. Yeah, it really. I'm, I'm not kidding. There, there's so many people out there, John, that, you know, they're they're – putting the ball back and they're driving their hands forward and then you know the ball back that part of the the swing arc is the the more up to down part the more the steeper angle and if you're trying to you know get that good contact on the ball you'll you'll have a tendency to throw it down load too much and when you do that good lord you know the leading edge is down the face has less loft on it the bounce is not even helpful next thing you know you're sticking it in the ground planting tomatoes and uh, and then the reactionary, you know, next shot of that type is the one where you don't get it down there enough, and then you skull the snot out of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think that's one of the biggest biggest misuses of a wedge, uh, because people have this concept that a lot of times, you know, people that come to me not when they leave me, but when they come to me, they have this concept that, you know, if it's a short game shot, it has to go back in the stance. If it's a wedge, it has to go back in the stance. Right. right. Ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Out. I mean, we we've all been taught that, or at least. Had that suggested yeah, we've all to heard us? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's you know, and it's not even close to being accurate, uh, true, <laughs> or accurate. Or I mean, there's there's a lot of trouble in that. And mm-hmm. the, and the reason is because you just got to understand the face angle and the and the sole plate as it touches the turf and what kind of shot that the thing can produce. And I see a lot of people that they're they're foolish in thinking that every shot has to be a low running kind of shot and that's not the case so you know if you short side yourself meaning you know the pins on the on the far right and you miss it to the right and now you have a short shot coming back at you mm-hmm. and the odds are really good you're really looking for a shot that the ball pops up into the air softly lands softly and will will roll out just a little bit and so you you look at the um, you, you look at the odds of success with a ball back in your stance, the one that de-lofts a club and makes it go lower and makes it roll out farther, plus you've got that troublesome turf interaction from the leading edge. I know a lot of reasons why people can't succeed because they got the wrong ideas in their head. Well, I had uh, that idea. And when yeah. we played together and it was like, no, 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 put the ball in the middle going, now, yeah. Jeff, or that's even, not or what everybody else has said. Yeah, yeah and you, right. Or even left of center. You know, and, and yeah. all of a sudden the club comes in with full loft, and yet it's a really great slider through there because it's got a nice wide sole plate. It's got some bounce angle on it mm-hmm. where, where the, the leading edge is not really up, but the, the trailing edge is actually able to interact with the turf a little bit and, and kind of slide. And so I call it kind of a slider sole plate on some of these, and people get it when I call it that. And like, that's the purpose of it mm-hmm. is to help it slide across the surface because yeah. most of the time, on most of the golf courses that most everybody plays, the ground is not rock hard. And it's no. sitting on some grass. 
So the leading edge can be up a little, but yet the club's moving downward, so it's bringing the leading edge downward still below the ball, but yet the, the sole plate makes it slide through there. And then so you have a high-lofted club coming in at a high loft, sliding under the ball, and the ball pops up, so you've got a little spin on it. Next I, thing you know, you can hit the high-soft shot. And you, you can do it without manipulating the club face. I love playing with guys when you know they're three, four yards off the green, and they've short-sighted themselves, as you, you know, the example you used. And they, they sit there and they take their highest lofted wedge in the bag and then they turn it so that it's almost uh, parallel to the ground. The club face is almost parallel to the ground. Do one of those Phil Mickelson-esque flop shots. Yeah. And I just and, I, I vacillate between laughing and cringing. Yeah, and, and some of those guys, you know, they, they don't realize the, the bounce on the sole – and so if they lay it back like that, as much as you're talking about trying to cr- take a 60-degree wedge and make it a 70-degree wedge, you know, mm-hmm. lay the thing back like that, they're also laying the leading edge straight up. And if they don't get that leading edge below the golf ball, they're going to skull the snot out of that one. And then sometimes when they lay it back that much, and if they do get the club below the golf ball, it could slide underneath it, and there's no height in the face of the club because they've laid it down so much that they think that they can, you know, pop it up in the air. Yeah, but they can't make it move forward. Yeah. You know, it just it's it amazes me on on what people do and they just they just imagine what the shot looks like in their head, but they don't know how to create it. So, you know, by by changing the club by a, a drastic amount, they're usually in bad shape. For the shot, one way or the other, either too far, you know, leaning it too far forward, de lofting the club, hooding it, so to speak, mm-hmm. or the other of what you've just mentioned, we're flipping it straight open and the club faces the sky. Yeah, I, I had and, uh, uh, I had a, a, a rough one. A regular playing partner kind of uh, laugh at me just a bit when I started doing what you taught me to do. When you didn't have that much green to work with, and you want a nice high soft shot is you put the ball a little bit forward in your stance and you take your lob wedge and you just swing nice and gently and it pops up and goes where you're aiming and hits the green and rolls a little bit, in this instance, into the cup, which really ticked the guy off. Yeah, I bet he stopped laughing after that (laughs) one, didn't he? He was making some remarks about lucky shots and things like that. It's okay. uh, When those shots uh, become patterns, he'll realize that the luck was in learning how mm -hmm, to do it. mm -hmm. And you know what I have found to be probably the the best wedge lesson that I've learned from you is, let's say, 40 yards off the green, Uh which which many of us amateur golfers find ourselves (laughs) on a regular basis. We didn't get anywhere near as close on that second shot. On the on the par five that we thought we were, so our third shot came up a little bit shorter too, you know? Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, or maybe we hit the three wood of our lives, and that's all we have left for our third shot, which is even a better scenario. But just yeah. taking a, a pitching wedge and setting up just like you would for a normal iron shot and maybe taking a three-quarter swing, 
you know, you don't hit a high because a lot of people go, well, how hard should I hit my uh, lob wedge or my sand wedge to go 40 yards? Don't, don't worry about that. You know, you don't want to hit this high shot that comes and, and lands. Well, I mean, if you're capable of doing it, yeah, you do want to do that. But you take the pitching wedge, take like a three-quarter swing, nice and gentle, ball in the middle of your stance like a normal setup with any iron, and, man, that thing goes. I mean, it's not going to arc really high. It's going to have a nice, gentle arc on it. It's going to hit the green. It's going to bounce once, twice. It's going to check up. And you're going to look and go, did I do that? Yeah. Because it's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, it's amazing the the uh the simplicity of the uh the short game shots that you can create things with good clean contact and you can quickly figure out that you have control over the distance of the flight and the spin if you're not really trying to kill it all the time. Now, I, I work with a lot of college players, a lot of high school players, you know. They're standing out there going, you know, I can hit my 60-degree club. I can hit that thing 85 yards. Mm-hmm. I said, yep. How much spin does it have on it? Can you stop it? No, I spin it back off the green. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do, do you want to do that? Well, no, I'd like to reduce the spin a little bit. I'm like, well, why don't you just take your 50, 60-degree club and do it this way? Well, I can hit this within that far, but I said, but you're creating so much spin Yeah. by yeah. doing it that way. The harder you hit one of those clubs, the more it spins. So do you want to be able to tell somebody that you're 85 yards out and walk around going, pounding your chest going, I just hit a lob wedge? Or do you want to have a three-foot birdie putt? Which do you want? <laughs> And while you contemplate the answer to that question, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will come right back because that's what we do, and we have more time yet. We are those weekend golf guys. Don't go away. We have a small yet loyal following of junior golfers, 12 to 18-year-olds. I want to address myself to them right now. Listen, guys, girls. If you are serious about golf, there is a mom, there is a dad, there's a grandmother, a grandfather somewhere that are so psyched, but maybe they don't show it. They don't want to push, but they would love you to get involved in the game of golf. So why don't you go to them right now? Say, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, I want to get better at this game. I want to get good at this game. I want to learn from a guy who has junior champions, high school, collegiate champions. He's even got a student who's kicking butt on the web.com tour. And it only costs five bucks a month. And I can learn at my own pace. And parents are going to be able to learn from their phones, which you know they don't drop out of their hands anyway. $5golfclub.com. Join for your kid's sake. You checked out our Facebook page yet? It's facebook.com slash golf guys. Go there and like us. It is those weekend golf guys. We are John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith at the golf cave at Otter Creek. Intrepid producer Mark Hunter. He's playing hooky today. Or golf. He's playing golf. Yeah. He's playing golf. That's well, what he's doing. Maybe. Oh, no, why wouldn't you? It's Saturday, man. <laughs> Got to play golf. You know, there's a time and a place for everything. And during this show, it's neither the time nor the place. Hey, you know, you go to work on a Tuesday midday, right? Yeah. You go to work. But yep. on a Saturday, hey, yeah, play some golf. Yeah. Well, you know, he's also a musician. He's used to working weekends, man. 
You know, I didn't get the two weeks notice that we asked for in the in the employee handbook. So anyhow, intrepid producer Douglas. That part in English. I did. Intrepid (laughs) producer Douglas is filling in capably for uh, Mr. Mark Hunter, and we have been talking about wedges and about a a new thing that uh, a new phrase we've coined, and maybe it'll catch on. PDQ, as it uh, applies to golf, potential disaster quotient. You're going to have to get into that a little bit. You're going to have to fire that one at me a little bit. You know, the ratio between uh, what your chances are for success based on your ability to play. Uh, let's, so it's the disaster ratio. Yes. What we're talking about. That's, yes. That is it. It is it the is ratio the, of success to disaster. Yes. And, and the ratio is very high for most of us when we get into a situation that, A, we've never been faced with before, or B, that um, we probably make the wrong choice for. Case in point, you hit a drive a little bit to the right and you're in the rough. And between you and the hole, there are some trees. But now there's a five-foot window between two trees, maybe eight feet from ground to first canopy of leaves and branches. Plenty of room, right? (laughs) For whom? That thing is nowhere near as wide when you get the ball to it as it looks when you're aiming. The smart choice would be take the extra one stroke and just chip out perpendicular to where you are, get it out into the fairway, as opposed to the third, the fourth, and the fifth shot when you're looking for the ball that ricocheted off the tree branches or the tree trunks. That's the kind of discussion that I have with my students when we're on the golf course about how not to make a 12. Uh, You know, a lot of times I'll throw a ball in a scenario and say, hey, here's your drive. What are you going to do? And and you know what I found is that when I'm standing there and I throw the ball into that scenario and I ask the question, you know, there's probably 70% of my students will choose the right thing when I'm standing there and I threw the ball there. But mm-hmm. if I'm not standing there asking that question and I didn't just throw the ball there, if it actually happened that they struck the ball there on their own from their own tee shot, now all of a sudden there's emotional decisions being made. Mm-hmm. And now it's going to be the, I'm going to hit the hero shot. Mm-hmm. I got myself into this mess. I'm going to get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to still try to hit it on the green from here. It's amazing to me how the same person, when asked the question, will make a good decision when asked the question and when there's no emotion involved. Until there's emotion involved and they hit it and now they've got to care about their score. But then all of a sudden, they'll, they're willing to say, sure, it's okay to make a 7 or a 12 here, uh, but by God, I'm going to mow down this tree. You think that's a golf ball. No, sir, that right there is a spherical buzzsaw. <laughs> that sucker is going through the base of that tree. I love the people who look at trees and go, hey, they're 90% air, to which I will reply, yes, so is a screen door, but you're not going to get a golf ball through one. That's right. You know, and trees are the same way. And just as we spoke earlier in the program about how when you're you're hitting a shot offline and you know you will, so you line up offline thinking that you're hitting offline will go back to where you should be if you hit it straight. And yeah. you oftentimes don't hit like the draw or the power draw or the hook that you were counting on. You hit it straight. It's the same thing with trees. If you're trying to hit a nice gentle shot and just keep it underneath the trees, you will make the best contact of the round on that shot. That's right. <laughs> and you will hit it smack yes, dab sir. as powerful as possible right into a branch. It's just the way it works. I, the golf gods, they just mess with you when you're out there. I don't no. understand it. 
there's a lot of truth in the fact that when people aren't really trying to rip at it, you know, like mm-hmm. punching it out under the trees, they're just trying to get good contact, and that's all they're thinking about. So let's just make good contact. And all of a sudden, the timing of their golf swing all works out because they weren't trying to hit it hard. Next thing you know, they hit it in the middle of the face. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Even on those punch outs <laughs> right into the fairway. Next thing you know, they punched it out through the fairway. Yeah. Into the other uh, rough under some trees or even into the <laughs> creek on the other side. Yeah. Because they're like, I had no idea I could hit it that far. Like, <laughs> that's right. That's what they're trying to tell you on your regular shot. <laughs> if you just did that without the tree in front of you, you'd be fine. You can play this game. Come on. Yeah, but they just look at it like it's karma, bad karma. Yeah. Yeah, or it's yourself messing with you one way or the other. One of the things you said on the uh, the live Facebook webinar that you did the beginning of the week was Monday night. Monday yeah. night was how you hit a seven iron different distances by yeah. hitting one on the heel of the club and one in the center of the face. Oh, yeah. How can you practice making sure that your contact is in the center of the face. You know, the simplest way, really, John, I have uh, some of the simplest, the best training aids that are the simplest things in the world that I use for that purpose. I buy them at the dollar store in bulk, number two pencils. What I do is I take out two, two number two pencils that I have not sharpened. I just pull them right out of the box. Uh-huh. And I lay them on the ground, two of them, just outside the club head and inside the club head, about a quarter inch a piece. So I've now created this little mini path, visual path, and I have people swing between them. And all of a sudden, they're training themselves to visually swing in only one direction. And I, you know, I got like about a quarter inch outside the toe is one of them, and a quarter inch outside the heel is another one. So mm-hmm. I've got room to swing the club head through. And then once they train themselves to do that, I begin to put a golf ball in the middle of it. And then all of a sudden, they strike it right in the middle of the face. And the visual training that happens with the simplest tool that I've ever seen. It happens all the time. I use number two pencils because there's an eraser on the end, which means it's a little rubber protection. I always put that at the back end where the club's coming in. Okay. So in case I were to clobber one of those pencils, you're not gonna hurt I'd be club. hitting a rubber yeah. I'd be hitting a rubber eraser as opposed to uh, clobbering and splintering and ruining my pencil. Yeah. Yeah. And at two dollars a box of thirty, you don't want to ruin one, man. That could that could run into some pennies. It could. <laughs> it could. So I'm frugal. I have seen many ways of trying to get people to hit it in the center of the face, a little trickery, you know, stuff on the club face. You know, you hit this spot, hit that spot, hit the other spot, you know, a lot of different things. Nothing's as effective as this. Nothing is as, as visual as this. I've used those big, long alignment sticks before. Yeah. But you really don't need the length. So just a number two pencil. It's about 10 inches long. And you can do that in your backyard. Works out great. Sure does. You can use tees, but um, I like the pencils. They're yeah. a little bit longer. Do in your backyard um, and use, use golf, um, not golf ball, ping pong balls. Or those foam ones. Yeah. It's amazing. It is truly amazing because the difference of the distance that you gain or lose mm-hmm. from hitting or missing the center of the face, it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Uh, I did a clinic on distance, and I told them I was going to line one up on the toe and one in the center. And the one I lined up on the toe was at the outer edges of the scoring lines. To the beginning of the non-scoring line, curvy part of the toe. Sure, right there yeah. where a lot of people hit their ball. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I made a swing, smacked it, and the dimples showed up right there at that spot. You know, I dusted the face so that everybody could see the evidence of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a seven iron, and my launch monitor said, hey, I was swinging the club at 79 miles an hour on a five-degree down angle. And smacked it right there, and the ball flew 117 yards. Now, that's, that's not very far. No. Especially for a golf pro swinging a seven iron, right? Yeah, I could do that. 
Yep, you yep. could. Yep. If you hit it at swinging at 79 miles an hour at five degree down angle, hitting it at that spot, that ball's only going that far no matter who's on, this, who's on the other end of it, right? Yep, that's right. Well, then I hit one right dead center in the middle of the face, lined it up in the dead center, hit it dead center, fourth groove up, same, same place, same height on the club as the other one. Uh, launch monitor again said 79 miles an hour on the movement of the club, five degree angle down, coming in. So I, I did the same thing. I produced two swings that were identical other than where they struck the ball, where the right. ball struck on the face. Yeah. The one that was struck right in the middle of the face flew 158 yards in the air. Mm. Right. So we went from 117 yards to 158 yards in a blink of an eye. And all I did was I, I wrote 117 in the, in the dimples of the, the one that struck on the toe and 158 uh, in the one that was on the center of the club face. And it's like, what, three and quarters of an inch, an inch difference? It was one inch difference between yeah. the center of the, the, the ball that was in the center of the face to the center of the ball that was one inch off the toe or the, at the end of the scoring lines on the toe. It was one inch difference mm. on the club face. Just a measly, stinking little inch. The genius and that is Jeff Smith is available to you yeah. on a regular basis for a whopping five bucks a month. $5golfclub.com. Uh, check it out. Use the number five, dollargolfclub.com, and you also get access to uh, bi-weekly uh, live Facebook webinars like we had last Monday night where Jeff uh, did this whole center of the club face thing. And, I mean, that's something you should go out and practice right now. Okay? We can wait. No, we can't wait. You go out and practice right now. Get back to us next week because that's when we will be back right here. Same time in the interim, thoseweekendgolfguys.com, facebook.com slash golfguys. Go there and like us so whenever Jeff goes live, you get notified. Follow us on Twitter at WKND Golf Guys. And if you ever miss an episode, you can always check us out. We archive everything at audioboom.com. And in the interim this week, practice that center of the face thing, and you'll be a lot happier when you go out this week and play some golf. I got an email just the other day. Guy said, John, how much does it cost to join $5 Golf Club? Yeah, that's what I said, too. $5, hence the name, $5 Golf Club, all right? It's not just $5 to get in, and then we hit you with more. No, $5 this month, next month, and every month that you feel you need to become a member and stay a member to get to where you want to be in your golf game. Whether you want to break 100, break 90, break 80, break 70, whatever your number is, Jeff Smith has the videos there now and new videos coming every week that will help you accomplish that goal. Okay? $5golfclub.com. Use the number 5golfclub.com. That's all it costs. $5 a month. Phenomenal golf instruction at a ridiculously low price. That's us, $5golfclub.com.